you by uh, six weeks ago that I would take this message. I had not really thought about what time of year it was going to be. Um, one year ago, yesterday, October 24th, 2019, um, our daughter Kathy and son-in-law Mark and the three boys arrived from Indonesia to begin a fight. As you know, many of you know, they had to come two months early and on short notice in order to be able to see my wife and Kathy's mother while she was still alive. Our other daughters, Mary and Amy, were already here at that point. And just one week later to the day, on October 31st, 2019, Lori went to be with her Lord. And you know, um, it's a significant day for the Rumbold family too. It was October 31st, 1997 when Ben went to be with his Lord. But what a blessing it was that our family could be together. We could all be at our bedside as she um, took her journey. But having said that, it makes me think of the hundreds and maybe thousands of people over the last seven, eight months who have not been able to do that because loved ones have passed away when they were in a hospital or a nursing home and could not have any visitors. Um, that would be hard. And so if you're in that category, um, you have my sincere th sympathy. For many years, I've kept a diary, uh, nothing elaborate, not a lot of feelings in it. If you know me, you're probably not surprised at that. But just what happened from day to day. And so in January of this year, I thought I'm going to get that diary out and I'm going to read through it over the course of the year. And so about once a week, I'll read what happened for the last week and um, just to refresh my memory as to what was going on a year ago. And that's been a blessing for me. It's been interesting been able to see just how the Lord, um, you know, met all of our needs just when we needed for them to be met. And one of the things that has stood is the number of you and other friends, family, um, who came to visit and to bring meals. And, you know, what a, what a blessing that was. Some of you came as a couple. Some came alone. Some came in small groups. The elders came at least a couple of times. One of the members of the leadership team came one afternoon and just sat and read to Lori out of a book having to do with the story of Job. And that was so special. Uh, she commented afterwards, she said, I can hardly believe that he cared enough to take the time to come and do that for me. Her primary care physician made a special house call on a Saturday afternoon, and it was not for medical care. If you knew Lori, you know that all of those things were very special to her. Many of you brought food. 
sometimes a complete meal. Sometimes you would call ahead and say, we're bringing a meal and we want to stay and eat with you. And Matt mentioned that in regard to Helen. I would encourage you to do that. That's such a blessing. Not only do you get the food, you get the fellowship. There were times of being together and helping and encouraging one another. And so, as we look at this chapter, the take-home message, if you don't get anything else out of it, is that in caring and sharing our strength and comfort. And as we look at this third chapter, uh, we see that caring and sharing is what it's all about. Paul carried a great deal for the people of this church and was able to strengthen them by sending Timothy. And he was able to be comforted himself as Timothy brought back a good... We see Paul's heart and love for them, in fact, throughout the letter... For example, in chapter 1, verse 2, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers. And the bolded portions are what I want to emphasize from these verses. In chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, but we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. And in chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, for what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. So these are just three examples of how we see Paul's love and care for this church throughout this this letter. Chapter 3 can be divided into three paragraphs, and that's the outline I want to follow this morning. The first five verses are Paul sending Timothy. The second verse is 6 through 10. Um, Timothy's good report as he came back. And finally, verses 11 through 13, uh, Paul's desires as a result of that good report. So let's begin by reading verses 1 through 5, beginning with verse 1. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling hand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it has come to pass, and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith, for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you, and our labor would be in vain." That therefore, in verse 1, refers back to the last four verses of chapter 2, specifically verses 17 and 18. In 17, we read, We were all the more eager with great desire to see your face. In verse 18, For we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, more than once, and yet Satan hindered us. Paul simply could not bear being in the dark 
any longer about how they were doing. We see that phrase, could bear it no longer, here in verse 1 and also again in verse 5. <clears throat> Apparently Paul was in Athens and was not able to leave Athens at that point. And so he was willing to stay alone in Athens and to send Timothy to them. Timothy was sent to strengthen and encourage them. So we might ask, why? Why did they need strengthening and encouraging? Well, for one thing, we learn in chapter, um, verse 14 that they were enduring sufferings from their own countrymen. Faith can always use strengthening and encouragement in the face of suffering. Additionally, in verse 3, he tells us that he did not want them to be moved by afflictions. That word moved could also be translated disturbed or deceived. In verse 4, we kept telling you in advance that we were going to suffer affliction. Now, it's not known whether that we refer just Paul and his companions or whether it um, refers to Paul and his companions and the Thessalonians. But either way, afflictions or sufferings challenge our faith. In their case, we might pose the scenario that maybe they were thinking, um, you know, we're kind of wondering if, if this Paul is the real deal. And if what he told us was really true. And are we really children of God? Because if we are, why are we suffering? It doesn't make sense that we should be suffering. Since they were suffering, however, perhaps Paul wasn't the real deal. Perhaps what he told them wasn't true. And so Paul needed to send Timothy to reassure them that he had previously told them these afflictions would come and believers are not immune from afflictions. And that's a good word for ourselves this morning too. As believers, we are not promised to be immune from afflictions. Paul had warned them ahead of time these afflictions are going to come. And so what he, had, what he had told them was indeed true. He just needed to strengthen and encourage them in that. So truth to life, what, what might we do to strengthen someone's faith? Here are a few suggestions. I would encourage you to maybe just pick out one that the Lord lays on your heart. And then be praying that God, through his Holy Spirit, would, would help you to put that into practice. First, just mentoring someone or fulfilling our roles as parents. But, uh, when we had our message on the parable of the soils, <clears throat> as those are a couple of means to help rocky soil to become fertile soil. Secondly, remembering past accomplishments. Many of you who came to visit Lori 
remembered to her how she had influenced you in some way or how something she had said or done was significant in your life. And that was extremely encouraging to her, especially as she was coming to the end of her life. But I would encourage all of us, we ought to be doing that regularly, encouraging one another, remembering to people what they have done influence us, and not necessarily wait until the end of life. Bible study, getting together with one or more others to study the Word together can strengthen and encourage the faith of everyone involved. Notes of thank you or encouragement. These can be a big boost, especially if they happen to come at a time when they're... And you know, the irony of that is that often we don't realize that, do we? A note of thank you or encouragement, and we're not really aware that they're in a time of <clears throat> struggling with the, something with their faith right at that time. But isn't that like God? His timing is perfect to use something like that. But we need to act and do it. We may be an angel unaware. Reminders of what we have in Christ. You know, when someone is struggling, it can read with them the first chapter of Ephesians or the first chapter of Colossians because these have lists of all the things that we as believers have in Jesus Christ, and that can encourage our faith. You know, making a sacrifice for someone else. Um, I suspect that most of you ladies who prepare meals on a regular basis for your family don't consider that a sacrifice. But <clears throat> let me tell you from experience, having to learn how to prepare and fix meals when Lori could no longer do that. Um, I haven't had to do it a lot because I've had my girls here a lot of the time, but there was a couple months when I had to do that. And uh, <clears throat> let me assure you, I considered a significant sacrifice and time and energy. Um, when many of you brought meals, um, it was very strengthening and encouragement, encouraging and greatly appreciated. So thank you and keep that up as others need it. And how about being an example going through a difficult time? Do we complain about our trials or do we use them to serve others and to strengthen our trust in God? This present pandemic is a great example of that, isn't it? Am I complaining or am I praying that God will strengthen my faith and will grow me spiritually in this difficult time. When we handle a difficult situation in a God-honoring way, it strengthens the faith of others. In caring and sharing our strength and comfort. Paul not only wanted to find out how they were doing and to strengthen and encourage them, but he wanted to find out about their faith. We see this phrase again in verse 5, he could bear it no longer. He needed to know how they were doing. Had they been able to resist the sufferings of the tempter or had his labor 
been in vain. This concern that his labor might have been in vain might seem to us to be just a little bit selfish. You know, Paul's thinking about himself, was all my work going to be in vain? But we know from Paul's other letters to other churches that he cared much more about the people and about getting the gospel out and about how they were doing with their faith than he did about himself. Are, are there some things about which we can be appropriately selfish? Wanting to know how someone else is doing. Wanting to spend time with my family rather than take on another responsibility. Wanting to get more free time so that I can use it in the reading and the study of God's Word. These things might seem a bit selfish. They you know, are, are doing something for ourselves. They are not selfish in a negative sense. These kinds of things are more beneficial and encouraging to others than they are to ourselves. Second paragraph is Timothy's good report, verses 6 through 10, and we'll read beginning in verse 6. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you, for this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live, if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for God, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith? What was in his good report? Their faith and love, in verse 6. Apparently, they were standing firm in their faith and were loving one another and others. Secondly, their kind remembrance of Paul, in verse 6. What a comfort that must have been to Paul to know that they were remembering him and that they were remembering him kindly. Thirdly, their longing to see him. That must have been energizing to Paul to learn that they wanted to see him just as much as he wanted to see them. And the result of this report was very comforting Paul in caring and sharing our strength and comfort. This was so comforting, in fact, that he was able to say in verse 8 that now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. I like the New American Standard uh, version better in that verse, which reads, For now we really live if you stand firm in the Lord. We could ask ourselves, what kinds of things do we consider to be really living? Maybe a special culinary treat, like eating this mode is really living. Okay. Or a special vacation, just getting away and relaxing and enjoying God's creation is really living. Perhaps a recreational pursuit. One of my grandsons 
is getting to ride these days dirt bikes with his friends, and I think that he probably considers that really living. Maybe my team winning the World Series or the Super Bowl or the Stanley Cup. I'm sure many of you Cubs fans thought you were really living back in 2016 when they won the World Series. But how would it be if we would consider it really living when we're able to strengthen someone's faith or to intercede for someone in prayer and see answers to that prayer? You know, I talked to Amy um, pretty much every week. Um, For those of you who may not know it, Amy is my daughter, teaches at Grace International School in Chiang Mai, Thailand. And so a couple weeks ago we were talking and they just recently had parent-teacher conferences. So she has a girl in her class this year who has a brother two years older. And two years ago, the brother was in Amy's class. was a challenge. Challenge to Amy, a challenge to the parents. It was his first year in Thailand, his first year at Grace School. Had to make all new friends, and he really struggled and made it hard on the people around him. But as Amy has done over the years, often when she's had a particularly difficult student, she will ask me and Lori to be praying specifically for that student by name and for her. And so Amy had done that in this case, and now she's having this parent-teacher conference with the parents to the younger sister. And Amy said that in the in the midst of the, the conference, she said the father began to tear up. And of course, she's thinking, oh no, something's going on with this girl that I don't know about. <laughs> but the father related that how thankful they were for the son having been in Amy's class and having made it through that year. And he said, my wife and I really feel that he made it through that year because of the prayers of you and your mother. And um, that really touched Amy, as you would expect. She's doing reasonably well now since then. Um, Is not that a better example of really living? So this news that they were standing firm in their faith was for Paul really living. His joy was a cause of thanksgiving. His joy was a cause for earnest prayer to be able to see them again. The third paragraph, verses 11 through 13, starting with verse 11. Now may God our Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord peace and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. My voice sounds a little hoarse to me. I hope it's not too distracting to you. It's never been quite the same since I had my radiation a few years ago, but 
So what were Paul's desires? First of all, that God would bring about his being able to see them. We've seen before that though he couldn't, so he had sent Timothy. But obviously he's hoping that at some point in the future he will be able to go himself. Secondly, that God would cause them to increase and abound in love for one another. You might remember that Paul expressed that kind of desire for many of the churches to which he wrote, not only to this one, but he wanted to see that happen for them here in Thessalonica as the believers continued to mature. Jesus himself said in John 13, 35, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have one for another. And John wrote much more about the preeminence of Christian love in his first epistle. The third desire was that God would establish their hearts blameless in holiness. I spoke about this in July. Be holy, for I am holy. That's God's desire for those who are in relationship with him, that they would be holy. So those were Paul's desires resulting from what we have just considered, namely that Paul had sent Timothy. Timothy had come back with a good report that they were doing well in caring and sharing our strength and comfort. What might we take from this? We can ask ourselves, what do we have as godly desires? Do I desire to glorify God, to love my neighbor as myself, to stand firm in my faith, to help strengthen someone else's faith. At my age, one of my desires is that I would finish well. I don't want to be like Solomon, who in his old age had his heart turned away from the Lord. Another godly desire is to develop my own character. You know, become more patient, more loving, more kind, more gentle, or whatever it is. You all could probably tell me what I need more than I would know. Um, you know, in any relationship between two people, whether that be a marriage, whether it be parent-child, whether it be friend-to-friend, in any such relationship, each individual in that relationship should be seeking to meet the other person's needs and develop and to develop his or her own character. What do I mean by that? Well, let's take marriage for an example. I should be seeking to get to know my wife, to get to know what her needs are, try to meet them. Common needs for wives are love, security, affection, time spent together. You know, that's one of my regrets, that I did not give Lori more time together with me because that was one of her strong needs. So in a relationship, we should be looking to, to meet the other person's needs and then to develop my own character. That means, what do I need to be? I need to be more loving or kind of work on that in the relationship. <clears throat> but maybe you can guess what we usually do instead. We usually get it exactly backwards, don't we? 
Usually in a relationship, we're seeking to get our needs met, and we're trying to develop the other person's character. You know, I need you to do this for me. I want you to be more kind or loving or whatever it is. So each one of us needs to be praying regularly for God to give us godly desires. We cannot live our lives alone. Does it seem to you like you've been hearing that a lot lately? Are you getting a little tired of hearing the word community? Uh, Perhaps you think we're making more of it than we should. Or that maybe we're talking about it because we're trying to promote our small groups. Well, let me just assure you, this is not our idea. It's not something unique to the 21st century church in America. We see it throughout the Bible, and here are just a few examples. Clear back at the beginning, Adam needed a helper. Moses, acting on his father-in-law's advice, chose men to help him judge Israel. Moses had to have his arms held up by Aaron and Hur while Joshua was fighting against the Amalekites so Israel could have the victory. Paul needed people. We see that clearly in this chapter and in this book and in many of his other letters. He wrote to Timothy at the end of his life. He said, make every effort to come to me soon. Here are a few things, not necessarily from the Bible, but why were we so anxious to return to worshiping together here after we had not been able to do it for so long? It's because we missed being together, didn't we? and worshiping together. Why did we see an insides and drug overdose deaths during the lockdown? Because some people couldn't tolerate the social isolation of not being with people. Here's one, why are mittens warmer than gloves? Because you got your fingers all together in one compartment, right? <clears throat> and they're not separated by the fingers of the glove. <clears throat> And finally, why is solitary confinement a worse punishment than a regular prison cell? So in summary, Paul wanted them to know how he was doing so they could be strengthened in their faith. Paul needed to know how they were doing so he could be comforted in caring and sharing our strength and comfort. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that you have made us social beings. That you want us to be in relationship with you. And that you want us to be in relationship with each other. And you've made us to care for each other. And to share with each other. To encourage each other and comfort each other. Lord, these are things that are really living, that can give us fulfillment in our lives. Would you just speak to each one of us in this area and what we need to do and be doing to uh, better care for one another and share with each other and strengthen each other. And we thank you and we'll give you the glory in Jesus' name. So this will conclude our service. The uh, ushers will dismiss you from the back. And um, have a blessed week. And
care for one another and share with each other.